so glad he had to do that, not me. No, he did great. Thank you. Uh, this is Jeff Kohlinger, and there's some other folks coming up on the stage as well. We'll introduce them in just a second. As you can see, you're in for a little something different, a special surprise that we have planned for this morning. <clears throat> My name is Pastor Jeremy. If you're just joining us at Midland Free, what we're doing this fall is we're working through a sermon series on God and our relationship with family and we've been talking about marriage and other stuff, and today we're talking about parenting. So I'm a parent, and I have some kids, but I by no means know everything there is to know about children. I'm just kind of learning as I go, like a lot of you did or are doing. And so what I decided to do is rather than just go after my limited wisdom, um, bring together the best resources that I know and pool our combined resources so that we could say, hey, What's worked for you, and where did you need help, and where can we partner together? And that's kind of the purpose of this next time, is we're going to do a panel discussion. And I've got some questions, and I'm going to answer them. We're going to do a little Q&A. And my hope is that it will better equip you uh, for whatever situation you're in. And I want to assure you that even if you're not a parent, you are somebody's child, right? Like, you're, you're involved in this process somehow. And even if your parents have gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, there are certainly other people in the parenting process that you can benefit and encourage. If you're a child, um, kiddos, believe me, this is not easy. It may look easy because we get to call the shots and we make the rules and you have to obey and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is it's really, really tough to be a mom and dad. And we'll tell you a few secrets today that you may or may not know is we mess up all the time. We make mistakes left and right, and uh, we know it. We're the product of our parents' successes and failures, and you're going to be the product of your parents' successes and failures as well. And then you work to see God overcome those in your life. But today, what we're going to do then is just be open and be honest and talk about uh, places where we may feel like, eh, we struggled or places we could need some help. And I'm not asking you to say, Boy, these guys are amazing. They're experts. They're perfect parents. You know, that, that is not why they're up on the stage. They're up on the stage to say, hey, this is what worked for us. This is what we did. If this helps you, try it. But I don't expect you to be all of these couples combined. They're all going to have different ideas, and there's no way you can do all of them. So don't have a guilt trip or an inferiority complex or anything like that. That's not what it's for. It's for the purpose of encouraging you. And like I said, I mean, maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're parenting a, you know, a mixed family, maybe you're a child, maybe you're whatever. It doesn't matter. These people are going to have something that can encourage you. And kids, if you're just learning to them, listening to them, saying it's so hard and that's all you get, that's great. Because when you go into parenting, it's not all cuddly kisses and cute babies. There's a lot of other stuff that comes with it too. So... We're going to try to work together today as a team, and uh, I'll ask them some questions, and you can listen. I mean, re like I said, regardless of where you're at, you listen to where they're at, and you say, oh, okay, maybe there's somewhere I can help there. I mean, maybe I'm done with this, but I'm into that, and this is how I can help, or this is how I can pray, or this is what I can do. So we want to equip you, and we want to encourage you, and that's the point of this morning, just to do something a little different and give you some options, and hopefully the Lord will bring something to your attention that you can either use to benefit yourself 
or benefit someone else. So let me pray and we'll continue uh, with our worship. Father, we thank you for everyone you've gathered here today. We don't know what's in store. The Holy Spirit only knows what will come. And we just pray that whatever it is, you will bring glory to yourself through this process. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me show you a couple verses real quick that we're going to base this on. Here's a slide of Ephesians 5.32. This is what we said when we talked about marriage for two Sundays in a row. We said this mystery is profound. And the mystery that he's referring to is that marriage refers to Christ and the church. It's showing the picture of the gospel. Now, the gospel grows, right? And families typically grow. And they produce children. And one of the neat things about the New Testament or the New Covenant, when God says he's going to change our hearts, he does so in a lot of ways. But one of the ways is this, Luke 1, verse 16, he says, He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him. He's talking about John the Baptist. In the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord, a people prepared. And that first part is really important, that the hearts of the fathers are turned towards the children. You can see in our society how that's a real struggle. And I remember when I first became a parent, and it was just a mind-blowing experience. I mean, I tell people I sort of stepped out of the closet. It was like I was in the bathroom at Walmart with my emotional bandwidth and spectrum, and all of a sudden I became parent, a parent, and it went and I was just like, whoa, I didn't even know I could feel these things. I had no idea uh, the, the, the breadth and depth and width of the emotional experience about to take place. And now here we go. So depending on where you're at in that phase, I want to introduce our uh, panel participants to you this morning. I think we'll have a slide of their names. We'll go ahead and skip to that slide right up here on the screen here in just a second. Um, so... I'll just say their names and they can wave at you. We'll get some good lighting back here to really brighten their smiling faces. That would be awesome. This is Patrick and Shannon Mackligan. And then skipping one couple, we have Jason and Johanna Humphrey. And Craig and Katie Hurst are doing the parenting thing this morning with their sick children at home. And so they're not here. But Jeff and Pam Kohlinger are here. And Dan and Sarah Hickman are here as well. And Rich Clark is sick, so standing in the gap like all faithful ladies do is Colleen. So here she is representing the whole Clark clan. And so, uh, with no further ado, I'm going to just move back here. I'm going to sit in my chair, and I will start asking some questions. But one of the questions I want to start with is not the assumption that, okay, now we're married and immediately come babies, because that's not always the case. Everybody's process is different. Sometimes the babies come sooner than expected, and sometimes the babies come a lot later or not at all. So I want to throw the first question out to uh, Patrick and Shannon and just give you guys uh, a general uh, open-ended question and tell us a little bit about the process of becoming parents, um, PG version, please, and, and uh, how that occurred in your family. All right. Right. Yeah, we can uh, we can keep it PG. Um, <clears throat> so for us, uh, we got married right out of college, um, and we knew. I mean, we had known. Let me back up a little bit. We've dated since high school, 
and, uh, and then got married right out of college, and we've known for a long time at that point that we were going to struggle um, having a family. Um, just with some different medical issues and other things going on, we just knew it was going to be tough. Um, but at the same time, we also knew that uh, it, for us it was important to uh, spend time together and enjoy being married together and living together and experiencing that um, as we shifted not only roles from just being individuals but to being a married couple, um, but then also shifting roles from being in school to also then into a career. Um, and so we, we kind of had a general plan, and we said, all right, this is, we think we want to take three, four, however many years and just enjoy it, but uh, we also knew that God has a sense of humor, and he's okay with our plans, but more importantly, he, you know, has his own timing, and so we, in the beginning, knew that we were going to be okay with that. Um, I don't know if you want to go into... Uh, sure. The, so we, um, we knew we were going to have trouble getting pregnant, so we... Um, pretty soon after getting married, um, started down the journey of um, physicians and learning more about um, what that entailed for us. And so um, we decided after lots of prayer and um, seeking wise counsel that we were going to do um, IVF. And so we um, did the IVF procedure and have um, had six embryos that were created. And so um, we implanted um, two of them and I um, got pregnant with both and lost both. Um, we then, a few months later, um, went ahead and um, implanted our next two embryos and got pregnant with both of those and lost both of those. And at that time, we needed to take a break um, before we um, tried for our last two. And so um, we took a break, and um, I started seeking um, some other forms of um, treatment, and so I started doing, uh, I found a Christian acupuncturist in town, and so I started doing that, and um, actually got pregnant with Piper via Miracle. There's, they have no idea how we got pregnant. Um, I know how we got pregnant. We had people praying for us all over the world, and so she's our little Miracle baby, um, and so we had her, and then Corbin was in our last two set of embryos. Um, I lost his twin, so... We have lots of babies um, that we've lost, and then also two miracle babies here on earth with us. So our journey was um, kind of unique, and um, I will tell you we had a lot of waiting and a lot of doubt, um, but God put a really strong um, desire in our hearts to be parents, and we didn't know exactly what that was going to look like for us, and so um, that, that's kind of, kind of how it happened for us. So. Okay, thank you for that transparency and openness. Um, I want to ask this question, this may probe a little bit too much, but feel free to, you all are all welcome to shift any question. You're like, okay, that wasn't on the script, but um, feel free to just wink or nod or pull your ear. Um, my, my question is, I know even if it's pregnancy or not pregnancy, uh, we as human beings don't always understand another person's situation, so it's really easy to just open mouth and insert foot or say something we shouldn't or ask a dumb question you're experiencing a lot, you know, you kind of hinted at it, you need to take a break for a little bit. What is the worst thing that someone could possibly say to you during that time of uncertainty and um, going through the process? What's the worst thing? I mean, you may even have an example in your mind, but what's the worst? Just don't, whatever, like for example, you don't, I don't know, ask a woman 
her age or whatever? What, what do you not ask? For us during our infertility journey, it was just relax. Just relax. You, it's okay. Like, um, I would tell you the, that, is, that was the worst thing for us um, that somebody could have said, but I don't know if you guys have any other, but do you have any? And, and why was that so bad? I mean, what, I mean, when I, you know, say to someone, hey, relax, it doesn't, I mean, but yeah. for you in that situation, that was hurtful. Why? Yeah, it was so hurtful. Um, I guess because it implied, like, what we were doing was um, wrong, maybe, I guess, just like that oh, if we just relax, then God will take care of this. That's like mm. what it kind of felt like. Mm. Um, whereas this was a journey that had been so prayed over. This was so intentional and not just um, like on a whim. We decided we were going to do IVF because that sounded fun. Um, so I just like was hurtful for someone to just say, oh, you guys just relax. Go on vacation. That's what you need to do. That'll get you pregnant. Uh, so. Not so much. Huh? Not so much yeah. for us. <laughs> okay. What was... What was one of the most encouraging things then during the same time? I mean, so you don't want to be dismissal and you don't want to be like, ah, no big deal. If you just, whatever, this will fix it. What is something that did uh, encourage you? Do you remember any moments where you're like, bam, that's exactly what I needed? Um, our sister-in-law contacted almost everyone that was praying over us and put together a book after we lost our first set of twins and um, it was prayers that people had prayed over us. And we sat in Adam's school park. We walked to the park, and we just wept. And it was so cool to see how the power of prayer had um, just covered us, and we felt it, and it was just so real in that moment. Um, so that was a huge one for us. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. I'm going to shift the uh, question now because I have some insights as to the different situations. So there's obviously a lot of different stuff that happens when you're beginning a family. You need to be careful about how you interact with uh, people who are going through that process. You don't know. I mean, they may look pregnant, but they may have just had a miscarriage. They may be uh, going through this process for the first time or what. You have no idea. So just tread lightly. It doesn't mean say nothing, but as we've heard, best thing to say is, hey, how can I pray for you? And then actually do it. Not just a nod, but let them know, this is what I prayed. This is when I prayed it. This is how I prayed. And it might just be that at that very moment, that's the very thing they needed. So thank you. Thank you. So Jason and Johanna, you guys have an interesting story as well. Um, tell us uh, a little bit about your journey and how uh, the Lord led you uh, along that path. So uh, we we uh, we didn't have children until about uh, three years into our marriage, but we we had talked before in, in the uh, courting period and talked about having children and uh, very excited about it. But uh, I was I was getting my MBA and uh, decided this was the bad time to to have children, so we kind of looked to hold off a little bit and got a dog as a, <laughs> a temporary gap. <laughs> but uh, then, then we had uh, our, our first, uh, well, we got pregnant while we were in Texas and uh, very excited and uh, had our first here up in uh, Midland. Um, and uh, like I said, we, we, we ended up, uh, we had uh, Brianna and Braden and then um, uh, 
like I said, I wasn't sure. It's was like, uh, <laughs> the children are a lot. And <laughs> he was done. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had the two, and we decided together that we, that was the size family we felt God wanted for us. And um, long story short, it was Christmas morning or Christmas night after all the ki- the two kids had gone to bed. He says to me, goes, Johanna, we need to talk, which as a wife scared me. <laughs> But leading up to that, I had had a desire for more children, and our youngest at that time was eight years old. And I had prayed about it. I knew he wasn't interested. And he goes, Johanna, I think God is telling us to let him be in control of our family and how many kids that is. I took that as, yes, we're having more kids. Um, He took it as, let's just let God be in control. And um, our son was born the next December 19th. And then we had another little girl 18 months later. So we have a 14, a 12-year-old, and a 3- and a 4-year-old. Not in our plan, but definitely in God's plan. And it's been amazing to see the blessing that God has done in that when we finally let go of our desires and what we thought our plan was and looked at what God's plan was for our family. Amen. Very good. Thank you. So two very different stories. There's the, um, uh, one route, which is they're, they're all by faith, whether or not... Um, it's immediate or whether it's a long process everything is by grace through faith just like the gospel Um, but now I'm going to shift it a little bit just for demographic purposes you probably can't tell just by looking but uh, Colleen is actually a grandmother and uh, she does a lot of stuff for uh, her children and grandchildren and I keep hearing about it from other people like hey the Clarks are really involved I've been at basketball games, and I've seen them there, and I've been at other places, and I'm like, who's there? Aren't there kids? No, they're there for their grant. Oh, okay, got it. So I'm interested, as you've heard two different stories, to hear how you engaged your children and, and uh, maybe even your grandchildren was, and, as they were going through their uh, commencement of their family. So how are you all involved, and what are some of the things that you're doing to intentionally Um, not just bless the next generation, but the next generation after that? Well, that's a big, a big question. (laughs) Um, Well, we have four children, and they are all parents. And so um, within eight years, we've uh, received 13 grandchildren. Uh, Right now, they range in age from 11 to 3. So um, I think Basically, when Rich and I early on looked at being grandparents someday, hopefully, we were looking at that long before that day was ever going to come, even before our children were married. So um, we've kind of always done that and set goals for our marriage, things that we were always dreaming about together and looking forward to. So um, as our children stepped into parenting, marriage and, and parenting, they knew that they had us right at their door to encourage them to... Um, come alongside them and help them through good days and tough days. We um, tried to be very intentional about setting up very healthy boundaries ourselves first so that hopefully we would never put them in an awkward situation where they might have to come to us and and say, you're in here a little too much. (laughs) So um, thankfully, um, we do get to spend a lot of time together as a family and like I said, some healthy boundaries being set up there. I've kind of likened it to, if I wouldn't say it to my next-door neighbor, I shouldn't say it to my adult children. Mm -hmm. They have left our home. They're making their choices. They're making their way. 
and there are certain areas where we don't have any business and that might sound like it will make your relationship quite shallow but it really doesn't we have relationships that run very deep but we know that there are areas that we don't belong unless there was something um, pertinent that was taking place if there was abuse or anything like that then certainly we have a right you know to, to step in and an a obligation to step in so that being said they all got married and about four years after that all these babies started arriving and so um, again rich and I looking back on how our grandparents were with us uh, we thought we were close with our grandparents but as we talked about it we really didn't really know anything about our grandparents personally we had fun going to their locations because they lived on rivers and around hills and there were a lot of fun things for kids to do but we really didn't know our grandparents and the more we thought about it thought I don't think that they really knew us very well and we knew from taking that journey of parents how hard this parenting thing was going to be and so we set out on a journey to come alongside of our children and help in any way that we can any way that we're invited to or to come up with our own big ideas on things that we would like to do so I don't know how far you want me to go with what some of our things are that we do intentionally yeah we'll come back to those in just a second but I want to summarize what I've heard because I think this is just spectacular as you know a person in this sort of life phase thinking about you know grandparents I know one of the tricky things can be expectations versus reality you know if grandma has in mind she's going to come as soon as baby is born and I'm going to come and do this <laughs> and then it turns out that daughter or daughter-in-law is like well actually I need you to do this you know and there can be a little bit of tension there because the expectations are different than reality and what I hear you saying is very very helpful I'm definitely going to be interested in some more practical tips but particularly I like how you're saying okay there's this availability feature we want them to know that our relationship is solid and we're there at any point in time to help but there are these boundaries as well where we're going to be intentional about not crossing into stuff we shouldn't and and that line seems really tricky to me because perhaps with one person it's one thing and another person it's another thing where they want your involvement so my follow-up question is how did you practically discern, okay, the, when you talk about areas that we should or should not speak to, uh, how did you discern that? Maybe if it's okay, I don't know how much you've talked to your grandchildren, but whatever you can share, what is appropriate, what is inappropriate, and how did you discern that boundary? Okay. Um, well, as far as where the grandchildren are concerned, um, we've been uh, very fortunate and very blessed in the fact that um, our children all kind of parent about the same way and um, so they're they've pretty much given us uh, there's there's really no hurt feelings if we have to step in even right in front of them and say no you may not do that mm -hmm. um, you know you need to make a better choice on that and you know you're about to make a bad decision you might want to think again um, we really follow um, the parents lead on that we have to respect that um, our grandchildren know that in our home there are certain things that go that don't go in theirs and that doesn't mean that we just disrespect what their parents say but um, there's probably more along the line that they're not allowed to do at our home that they are allowed to do at theirs and so uh, the lines of communication open between their parents and us is 
probably the most beneficial thing there as far as um, with our grandchildren, we have disciplined all of them, I think, at some point or another, whether it's uh, to sit down and have a conversation with them about a choice that they made and doing some, um, some leading and some directing in choices and decisions that they're making as they grow. And um, even, you know, the little ones, to be able to just step in and with a, a firm voice, sometimes you have to say no and remove them from a situation and, and uh, decline a privilege and that kind of thing. So they've all learned, just like our children did, that um, when Nana and Papa say yes, it's yes, and when we say no, it's no, and we don't change our mind. Good. Good for you. So you only said no one time, and that was enough? <laughs> <laughs> No, they'll, they'll, te okay. they'll test you and pre press the boundaries, but um, they do, you know, they do respect that. And uh, as they're getting older, they just know that um, what that, what that picture looks like when they're with us, that we're going to honor the way that they're being brought up and that we're in tandem with their parents about um, discipline and about what's expected of them. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, I'm hearing a lot about communication and being in cahoots or being in sync. And I know that that's not only important for grandparents to parents, but that's also important for husband and wife. And so I'd like to throw the question to Jeff and Pam Kohlinger. Um, how would you say the quality of the marriage impacts the effectiveness of parenting? Or how uh, speak to that issue, if you will. I don't know how to phrase the question, but I'm just going after the subject of the quality of the marriage in relation to uh, the parenting process. Important, unimportant, how so? I think I would say that the quality of the marriage relationship is perhaps one of the most fundamental and basic things to the success of your parenting with your children. Um, I know that my parents got divorced when I was in high, or started high school, and I can remember when I was in eighth grade listening to them shouting at each other downstairs before they split up. And I can remember in my heart saying, the one thing I wanted, I just wanted them to stop. Mm -hmm. And it made such an incredible difference in my, like, my confidence about the world around me and, and being able to go about my daily activities. I mean, it just it kind of wrecked everything. And one of the things we've done, learned in talking with and watching other parents is that um, sometimes if you're seeing behavior issues with your kids, one of the things may very well be to ask yourself, what are we modeling about the security of our marriage relationship to our children? Do they see us sitting together every night and talking, praying together, laughing together, spending time together? Sometimes what they're doing with misbehavior is just doing something because they want to force the two of you together because they need the security of knowing that mom loves dad and dad loves mom. And when they have that, then they're released to go out into the world and do what they're supposed to do, which, which is live and love and learn and enjoy. But if they don't have that, it can imperil them uh, at the very beginning to even be able to do the basic things every day. Yep. All right. Pam affirms. Good. Um, let's see here. I'm going to throw this one to Dan or Sarah Hickman. I know that you all have worked a lot in your family, uh, making them eat their vegetables, teaching them to drink water, but I'm sure there's more than just physical health. But feel free to shoot at any uh, part of the parenting Actually, we've talked about, you know, getting pregnant, various phases, marriage. Now there's actual nurture, admonition, instruction. Uh, talk to us about how you instructed your children and what you found to be most effective 
invaluable or meaningful for your family in your context? I'm going to start by dispelling a, a false impression. <laughs> the vegetable thing doesn't work. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we tried to make our son eat quiche once, and I remember sitting in the basement face-to-face -face with this, I don't know, seven-year-old. Luke, just take one bite of quiche, please, just one bite. He refused, and I, I said, are you telling me you'd rather die than eat one bite of quiche? And he said, yes. <laughs> and that's when I learned that I cannot shape and mold my children into the image that I want them to be. Uh, I have to find, we have to find the bent. We learn from scripture, train them up in the way that he should go. Each child is unique, and parenting is not a formula that we can follow and where the, the, the same process works for every kid. So how did that work for you, that you just said the same formula in the process? I'm just sort of telling a joke. Dan is an engineer, and uh, formula and process, I think, is important to you. But I definitely like processes, but I believe in creative problem solving. Okay. And, and to solve the problem, we have to have the principles and then apply them to the specific situation. And with parenting, the principles are God's word. He gives us... What we need to know, Scripture is sufficient. He tells us what we need to know to, to parent our kids. Uh, and then we just have to love those children and learn to know them better so that we can apply those principles to their specific cases. In some cases, that might be different boundaries than in other cases. Uh, but our, our children are, are living beings who are unique and created in God's image. And it's up to us to know them and love them and then parent them accordingly. Wonderful. I think one of the things that was helpful is that we kind of knew our goal for parenting. We really desired to, to raise Christ followers who would raise Christ followers. So we wanted them to stand on our shoulders for the next generation. So every day we needed to make sure our house was, it's not perfect, it's far from perfect, but when I sinned, I needed to admit to them I'm sorry, Mom lied to you. Um, when I answered the phone and told the man on the phone, when there still used to be phones on the wall, remember those? Um, and said, no, Dad's not here. Dad was here. He was in the shower. So really, Dad was not available, but I lied. I said, he is not here, and that is a lie, and you are right. I should not lie. So it, it was really every day. They are little mirrors of, of us. Um, and if it's okay for me to lie to the guy on the phone that isn't looking, he can't see me, so why does it matter what I say? But it does matter with those little eyes on me. So if we knew our goal of raising Christ followers who would raise Christ followers, that helped us every day to get them to go in that path and know them personally. And as they grow, they change and, and that kind of stuff. So there's no formula, though he likes right. formulas, right. Um, but, but to keep the, the goal in mind, right, right, of what we want to do and to live that out in our home in whatever way possible, little by little. Um, you know, a scripture memory verse, a, a character quality we're working on, songs um, that are glorifying to the Lord, um, shows that would, um, if a show wasn't uh, compatible with our worldview, we needed to talk about that at a very early age and say, you know, address, anyway, address those types of things. No, that's good. I'm glad you addressed media. I know media is a huge topic right now. I mean, I'm, every day, more and more with social media, smartphones, internet, availability of pure trash, basically, 
and everything along this scale. Uh, so uh, I'm going to push pause on that question, but we'll definitely come back to it in just a second. Um, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, know the child, uh, love the child, have your end goal and, and irreducible core or your fundamental principles. These are our, these are our non-negotiables sort of up here and then work from there and adjust the process as it tailors to each person. Is that a fair summary? Okay. I just thought of something as we're talking about raising children. Um, Pam and Jeff, your children have left the home now and are thriving on their own. But Pam, you're heavily engaged in not your children, not your grandchildren, but your nieces and nephews as well. Is that correct? So there's an alternate option there. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing to help uh, benefit the next generation who don't even directly uh, necessarily belong to you. How are, how are you interacting uh, with that side of your family? Um, well, we are looking forward to having grandchildren. Our um, oldest, Andrew, is expecting, and so we're going to have our first grandchild in April. So, um, and they live in Midland, so I'm really looking forward to pouring into um, his life. It's going to be a little boy. Um, but my sister and brother live um, about an hour and a half away in the Metamora Lapeer area. They both homeschool. And um, so after our youngest, Ryan, left home and um, I had done some other ministry things, I, um, I started contributing to their homeschooling. So um, I, my degree is in English, and so um, they asked if I would be interested in teaching their kids writing. So I go down once a week. Um, I drive down there and um, do writing and grammar and those kinds of things with their kids. Um, but that's really just a cover for um, me just to be able to spend time with my nieces and nephews and um, to pour into them. And, um, and in, in return, I feel needed and um, I, I feel I'm still productive and impacting the next generation. So. Yeah, absolutely. And they get to know you and those family ties are strengthened. I think one of the things you heard here that I hope you're hearing regardless of where you're at is there may be some skill that you have. There is some skill that you have. I mean, she's talking about English literature and writing, but it's a cover for doing something else. And I think that's the reality of our lives is God has trained and equipped each of us with something. And whatever it is, you can probably use that to benefit somebody else. Specifically, you could benefit a marriage or a parenting process using that skill as a cover You've seen the great movies of the coach in the underprivileged neighborhood who overcomes the obstacles, not because he's a sweet fellow, but because he's a good coach. Whatever skill you have can be used to benefit someone else. So I'm seeing five minutes on the ticker, and uh, we're doing a good job, but they probably would be interested in some specifics. Uh, what about media and social media? And I'll just go down the line and give us like, so if we got five minutes and there's one, two, three, four, five, that gives you each like, I don't know, 35 seconds each, and I'll wrap it up. So social media, you guys are the youngest. We'll start with you, and then we'll just go down the line. What do we do with social media? Do we just hand them a smartphone and say, have at it, kid? Or what are your thoughts and plans? How does, how does Piper, who is how old? Three. How does three. Piper, who is three, interact with your media? Um, sometimes I think she's better at it than even we are, and we're millennials, so I think that says a lot. But um, no, uh, in all serious, I, I think a couple of things. One, social media, as far as 
and being on our smartphones for us, we do our best to try and limit that as much as we can while we're present with the kids. I think that, that helps set a good precedence of spending time and being intentional and, and pouring into them um, and they know that you're paying attention. For the kids in general, um, obviously age appropriateness, not old enough to actually be on social media, so we don't have to worry about that, but as far as shows and games and other things, um, we do, we, we set a limit and an expectation for us. It's basically, it's one 20-ish minute show a day right after nap for Piper. Um, and then uh, anything that she watches or consumes, whether it's games or otherwise, uh, we watch it first or we play it first. Does this make sense? Is it age appropriate? Is it, you know, is there anything weird or something that even though it might seem harmless, maybe come across as being um, maybe not so much or might, I don't know, whatever it is. So I think that's, that's a good um, practice that we tend to go through. And we have a couple of resources that we try and, and research from as well. Um, if we really, if we're on the fence or we're not sure, just don't have a whole lot of time to go through and play a, a game um, to test it. Okay, that was awesome. That may even be a good standard for everyone. So rather than limiting to social media, this is your last 30-second shot. What would you say to parents or non-parents? What's your closing thought that you want to issue uh, to anyone out there? I want to read a scripture passage. These words I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We need to be intentional to teach our children God's word. Amen. Um, one of the sample questions we were giving is where do we find our hope? And... Um, that one meant a lot to me. My hope is just in that God's grace covers all of my mistakes as a parent because no matter how hard we try, I make mistakes every day, whether it's raising my voice or ignoring a behavior that I should address. And just to know as parents that God's grace covers that and that he has our child's best interest at heart. And if we just go to him, he will help us and not to beat ourselves up because God's bigger than we are. Amen. Colleen? Um, a verse that has meant a lot to us is uh, Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily. And so our children receive a lot of correction and our grandchildren receive a lot of correction. Mm. Double up on the encouragement for every correction. Amen. And I guess I would say <clears throat> from our standpoint, probably one of the most meaningful things for us early on was spending time getting yourself educated about what the Bible says and the principles, and there's lots of them <clears throat> about parenting. Um, and what really helped us was getting a framework in our head about how our child, children are designed and what God's intention for parenting is, and it really gave us a framework in which we could do that. Um, and the resource we used is actually the one that the Humphreys are going to start teaching uh, next week, um, Parenting from the Tree of Life. And it's absolutely wonderful, if, wherever you are in the parenting stage, to get into something like that and just get a biblical framework in your head about how to parent your children, because it can make all the difference in the world in being able to be intentional as opposed to reactive in what you're doing. Very good. So let's give our panel participants a round of applause. Say thanks, guys. That was awesome. <laughs> If you want to hear more, you can come to the second service. I don't know if it'll be the same content or not. It might be different, and we would invite you to do that. We also want to let you know that there are lots of resources available. I know we can't answer all the questions in our short time. We have a Faith at Home Center back here that has a bunch of resources for various phases. 
We also have parenting classes offered at our church. Uh, Pastor Gib Giblin offers various counseling services. And we have a faith at home team as well that's working together to be intentional about equipping various family units. So there's lots of opportunity. Ultimately, we don't want you to be alone. You know, you see this a group process. You know, parenting is just not a single person job. Even if you're single, you need somebody to support you along the way, whether it's family, friends, church, or all of the above. The more, the merrier, because this is a long and um, difficult task. So we want to invite you to do that. Um, I want to say thanks again to you guys, and I will go ahead and pray, pray, and we'll get ready for our worship team to come up and uh, conclude our service. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the hearts that have been revealed here, uh, for folks who have uh, committed to this difficult process. Lord, there's a lot of things we can change. We could uh, leave our jobs and get a, get a different job. We could... Um, choose to leave our marriage and get a different marriage lord but we we can't get away from our children the reality is they're with us once they're here the rest of our lives and so we pray that you would turn the hearts of fathers to their children she would cause them to long for the discipleship and growth of future generations that you would help others to see the difficulty and come with help for those who need it, that your passions would be our passions, that your truth would be our truth, that your hope would be our hope, that your power would be our power, your grace would be on us. Lord, I admit for myself personally, uh, personally, I am a fallen, sinful human being, and that shows up in every area of my life, especially my parenting, where I see my own sins mirrored right back at me. I pray that you would cleanse my heart, Lord, and cleanse our hearts as you rub off the rough edges and draw us closer and closer to yourself. Thank you for designing this. Help us to trust you for it. And may your gospel go forth to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. Of course, my home has always been filled with music, so let's lift our voices in praise to God.
That's important because parenting is tough and there are many times we don't feel like praising, but praise God even though. Well, thank you for being here today. Um, let me see if there's any special announcements. Hmm. Pastors, elders, and Stephen's ministers will be here to pray with you down front if you'd like. And I just want to encourage you and encourage you to encourage someone else. You will get encouragement by doing so. I know that someone even sitting here today in the audience who's encouraged me. They said, well, when my two boys were struggling to get along, what I did was I said, here's the candy aisle. If you guys can agree on what you're going to purchase, here is $5. And you can purchase whatever you want, but you have to agree to buy it. And that would certainly be an exercise for my children, even if it's candy. So think of something that you can use to encourage somebody else. May the Lord bless you this week. This is again Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Behold, children are heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the loom, fruit of the womb... This is quite the day for me. All right. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the person whose quiver is full of them. Jesus welcomed the little children. We do as well. Go in peace, men and free.
Jesus, you are near.